0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the ASIAL Security Insider podcast. Our guest today is Lynette Walsh, Regional Director of Aon, and we are going to be talking about the 2019 Global Risk Management Survey. Lynette, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. My pleasure to be here, John.
0: Now, let's to, to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about Aon? What is Aon and, and what is their relationship with ASIAL?
1: Yeah, so Aon is a leading global professional services firm. We provide risk, retirement and health solutions. Um, We've actually been a partner of ASIAL for effectively nearly 20 years now, um, and we are a specialist in providing insurance-broking services to the security industry.
0: Okay, and this 2019 Global Risk Management Survey, what is the survey and how is it compiled?
1: yeah so the survey is basically um an opportunity where we speak to organizations that are clients of Aon across the globe and we try to gather insights for them as to what risks their businesses are actually facing and um how they have kind of mapped against risks that we've seen in the past and what we foresee for the future so it's a really good tool for us to help clients understand the emerging risks that their industries are facing debunk some myths and help guide our organizations um, through risks that are um, facing their industry. So we actually have, um, we conduct this survey across 60 countries and um, 33 different industries. So in 2019, that means that we actually had 2,600 businesses per take in it. It enables us with such data-rich responses to be able to break that down um, into country um, and then again into industry. Because we did have such um, a large uptake last year, we've really been able to isolate what we found for the top 10 business risks for Australia business in 2019.
0: Okay, well, I guess that's a good place to sort of explore those top 10 business risks. Um, and I imagine one, uh, that landscape has changed a little bit since this survey in the wake of coronavirus, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, take me through the top 10 risks. What were the things that you found?
1: Yeah, so definitely top of mind concerns for Australian organisation last year was the slowing economy, damage to reputation and business interruption. The actual top 10 risks, if we were to list them in order, is number one, damage to reputation and brand, two, the economic slowdown, three, business interruption, four, increasing competition, five, cyber attacks and data breach, six, cash flow and liquidity risk. Seven was failure to attract and retain top talent. Eight, failure to innovate or meet customer demand. Nine, regulatory or legislative change. And 10, accelerated rates of change in market factors one thing was really clear and consistent across all of the countries that we surveyed was really regardless of industry cyber attack and data breach risk is growing it's moved from number 25 to six globally in the past decade, and in australia we actually rated higher a higher risk than many other other countries Um, it's actually number one or two for some industries like banks government agencies education healthcare insurance and technology companies Obviously, those are sectors that rely heavily on digital advantages. Um, but what we do find as well, um, and you kind of um, hit that point in your opening statement, is that the survey does really um, get impacted by things that are happening in the world at the point in time that the survey is is carried out. So, when this was done in 2019, it was done at a time when the world was reeling from from two perceived crises. So, effectively, we had um, the US government um, in shutdown and we had Brexit happening in the UK. We also saw um, global equity and commodity market volatilities um, because of the trade tensions happening between China and the US. So, that's does influence some of the risks that we see happening. Um, so I think if you were to try put some guesses on what the 2020 survey would um, would represent, given that that survey is actually out with businesses right now, we would certainly imagine pandemic and health crises to be one of the top risks. Um, interestingly, last year, that was risk number 60. So it really didn't, phase companies whatsoever um, but we would certainly anticipate that to be a major risk um, identified into 2020 we'd see a lot of the existing top 10 risks probably reoccurring but with a different lens so we think now you know number two last year was the economic slowdown that probably will be again number one or two because that's one of the big factors that COVID-19 is impacting the fact that, you know, it is likely to, to cause a recession and the economic um, slowdown that will come from that and the ability of businesses to actually recover um, from this lockdown period the business interruption component, we'd likely see raise its head again, likely again because of, with the COVID-19 lens in it, because we have seen huge interruptions to actually how businesses operate. Yeah. Cyber attack is is increasing with, with this, and again, then cash flow and liquidity risk. We'd probably likely see a raise in supply chain failure as well. So it was number 12 in 2019, but I think um, something to bear in mind when we look at COVID nineteen at the moment is that a lot of industries and businesses that actually aren't directly faced facing closure because of government um government actions are actually basically stopping trading or hugely impacted by trading because their supply chain is in one of those industries. And security is one of them. You know, we've got um security companies that supplied into the hospitality industry they obviously now have a, a huge impact from corona, coronavirus despite not being one of the industries that the government actually forced into shut down um, and it really does i think all of that show the interconnectedness of the top risk um, and the fact that you know they never stay constant they always change and they're always influenced by what's actually happening in the world around you
0: yeah it's fascinating that at number one you have damage to reputation and brand and at five you have cyber attacks and data breach. Given the media reporting and the landscape that we see around this you would have thought that cyber attack here in Australia would have featured uh, I suppose further up the list and I wouldn't have imagined damage to brand and reputation to have come in at one.
1: And I think that because really one of the fears of any of these other risks, um, you know, the likes of cyber attack, the likes of failing to attract or retain talent. One of the, the big side effects of that, that company's fear is the fact that their reputation can be impacted, which would then impact their financials. Um, so I, I I believe that that probably is a number one side effect um, because again, all of the interconnectivity of the top ten risks, and you know, and, and further back to the top one hundred risks.
0: Mm. And it's it's one of those interesting challenges where it takes so long to build a brand and build a reputation, and it's so quickly and easily eroded. I mean, there have been just silly instances, even in this with Corona beer, where we've seen, you know, all sorts of backlash coming out of the U.S. that just makes absolutely no sense.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, disruptive technologies always um, comes across as one of our top risks as well, and the accelerated rates of change. And at that exact, exact point that a reputation and a brand that you can have spent years, decades really building up from one tweet, you know, one Stupid comments, um, it can actually derail it massively. And, and we've seen that happen, um, you know, time and time again.
0: Yeah. Although, fascinatingly, there's one person in particular that seems to keep making stupid tweets yeah. and nothing happens <laughs> yeah. as a result of it, but we won't get into that. Yeah. Uh, um, so, moving back to cybersecurity for a, a brief second. This is obviously something that's being reported quite a lot at the moment. and it it's interesting that it sort of sits smack bang in the middle of of the charts right now. how How do you see that changing as we move forward?
1: Yeah, so it's a really interesting one. It cyber risk has been in the global response for the top of the past ten years, but it actually only answered, um, into the australian top 10 risks in 2017 and we've just seen it rise year after year Um, potentially it you know as i said it, it can be very industry um sensitive um so those industries like the financial institutions, technology, education, it's a, it is number one and two for them at the moment. Um, but when we generalise Australian business risk, it's number five. So it first entered in 2017. Um, but interestingly, what we've seen in that time as well um, was really the, the rise of um, companies focusing in on cyber. Um, you know, those companies that do have boards and um, directors and c-suites it's always a hot topic for them those businesses that are you know family owned businesses they need to know that they're not immune to it and i can talk you through that today as well john
0: yeah if you would because i think this is a fascinating point a lot of people still seem to labor under this misconception that cyber attacks are carried out by you know Russian teenagers wearing black hoodies working in a basement somewhere for an organised crime group. And they don't understand that cybercrime is really just an algorithm running on a computer in a data farm uh, as a part of a piece of software that's just constantly searching for vulnerabilities, searching for backdoors, searching for opportunities. It doesn't care whether you're a small business, whether you're a large business, whether you're a person working from home. Like It's not about, oh, no one could be interested in me or no one would be having any interest in attacking my business. It's got nothing to do with it. It's just about, are you vulnerable
1: yeah and it's not only just vulnerable to the likes of you know the hackers which is the first thing that comes to mind when people think about cyber Mm. actually the majority of of cyber related losses that we have are are simply due to human error. um you know leaving sensitive documents behind or accidentally um you know clicking on an email that then jeopardizes your whole company's system um it's it's those type of things that actually are causing the losses Um, and you know we actually have seen a number of losses with our security clients over the past couple of years we had one actually just a few weeks ago um, which had a one of our security clients get um, unauthorized access coming in from a backdoor accounting software and the cost to remediate and notify the privacy commissioner and replace the hardware for them with over 120 grand. Um, we've had another load of circumstances, not just with security clients, but across all of our client base of social engineering, which is, you know, those those emails where um, it appears like it might come from your CEO um, but it actually isn't and they request the accounting department to transfer or release funds over to an unauthorized account and that can really rack up you know why cyber is increasing is because there's just a myriad of, of things happening in the world right now that that is increasing and accelerating the risk so you know we've got everyone becoming more digital and yes the digital transformation that we're seeing in the world is exciting it's really exciting um but as much as it actually enhances the the way that your business can do business it actually is enhancing your risk as well um and it's really an amazing opportunity but companies need to carefully consider the risk set that come with um relying more on, on digital technology because it's really unprecedented the level of change that we're having and it's massively um intensifying like the amount of companies out there that rely on internet of, of things it's called iot it's yeah. everywhere you know we've got companies that do iot registers and they've got tens of thousands of devices and a small property that's actually connected to the internet there's a famous hacking that happens um, in a casino in the states that the hackers actually got into the whole casino system via the, the water temperature gauge that was in their aquarium like it's, it's absolutely insane you know there's, there's things yeah. connected to the internet all over the place and you're only as strong as your weakest iot device
0: absolutely. and with that
1: like, it's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, I could go on talking about cyber for ages.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. You know, and, and I think the main thing for businesses to understand is that it's not just your external hackers. You know, that that's one of the biggest myths that we need to debunk all of the time. It's yep. not just big companies that are you know attractive for hacking. It's it's really the human. The human error, which no matter what risk management you're going to put in place, is going to happen. You know, it it is just the sensitivity and the vulnerability of your organization relying on and being connected to the internet. There's not one business out there that doesn't have some reliance on the internet and with that comes risk. You know, every business out there relies on their supply chain and again. You're only as safe as the risk management that your supply chain um, operates on, because it's 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 usually via breaches to to say say the likes of your cloud provider yep. or your accountant, you know, people that you rely on for your business. If they have a breach, it will impact you. Um, so it's really important, and definitely not one of um I can't do an Australian accent and I'm not going to even try but you know we do always have the she'll be all right mate kind of thinking here but you know the statistics say otherwise it's it's small business that's actually more at risk than large business and even if it might be like that 120 grand scenario I talked about for a large large business out there that's you know pocket change for them but for many of our smaller businesses if they have 120 grand loss you know it's massively impactful to their balance sheet and to their growth aspirations and yeah. we're only seeing that the impact actually increase with coronavirus because now we've got more and more people working from home it's a heightened risk land, landscape you know people might be operating off home systems home internet um you know they're, they're not getting the same oversight from management that they would have in the past we're seeing more and more phishing attacks and false websites and social media designed to be misappropriating sensitive sensitive information and forms that people think that they will you know find interesting in this time it's, it's, it's really a risk that's growing so i would long answer to your question john but <laughs> i would anticipate it's certainly still being in the top five. Potentially, things like pandemic and the health risk might enter above that um, in the future. But I'd certainly be seeing it in the top five, and potentially, you know, being in that top three um, for the first time.
0: Yeah, I guess one of the biggest challenges for a lot of businesses, though, especially the the small to medium sized businesses, not necessarily the larger businesses. Is the frustration around cybersecurity because a lot of them tend to sort of look at it and think, "Well, I, I can't afford to have a full-time IT person or team of IT people looking after what we're doing, and you know, I don't have time to do this or I don't have time to do that." Like it's a IT security, if done correctly, people tend to have this misconception that it's time intensive, cost intensive, uh, resource intensive. So, I mean, from your experience, what can these organizations do to protect themselves short of going out and buying high-end hardware and experts to run it all?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many tips and tools that that you can look at from a a cybersecurity perspective. I think, um, you know, there's certainly a number of different ways that a company can prepare and protect themselves against cyber risk. Firstly, I think they just as a business need to take a little bit of an assessment of of what they think their risk is you know how many things do they actually have connected to the internet what would be the impact their business if um you know if they did lose access to their systems and their databases and needed to rebuild from scratch then you've got the added um the added complexity of if you have any kind of personal information and what that means for you so I think have a little bit of an assessment and, and try gauge that into what your top 10 risks and you can definitely use the top 10 risks I've gone through and kind of tick or, or cross off whether or not they're applicable to your business and then from that often we do find that that companies m- might reprioritize what they actually thought were the things to invest in. There's a lot there's so like there's a, there's an industry made out of it John of you know companies that can actually help protect um, and, and against cyber risk you know simple things like your virus, firewalls your virus protection um, training that you can give to your employees because I think you know that whole human error side of it mm-hmm. needs to be thought about and often it is really actually just having training in place with your with your employee base and making them aware of the risks and you know pointing out to them that they shouldn't click on links and emails and that stuff you know that that doesn't have really any cost involved in it it's really just having common sense discussions with your employees and making sure that they're aware of the risks and what they can and can't do as part of their job you know the likes of of the um the the phishing attacks and what I was saying of the the CEO's emails being you know copied and funds being transferred over to an authorized account, that's really again it's just it's, it's simple things like actually contacting the CEO and contacting your suppliers via phone before you actually proceed with an invoice. Double check the um you know the the bank account details over the phone and don't just rely on what's been emailed over to you. And I don't know if you see this, but I see this all of the time that, you know, clients that we send invoices to, they, they are more, they're, they're calling us more than they ever have before in the past to just double check that that it is going to the right place. So there's some really good tips and tools that you can get like that. Um, we have a, a whole, whole host of resources that we can do. You can get into more complicated things like actually doing penetration testing, you know, paying someone to try, um, um, enter into your system and see if they can do that. And and sometimes some of them have no, no win, no fee type philosophies. So if they can't get in, they're not going to charge you. Yeah. So there's, there really is so much you can do then there is obviously, um, the transfer of the risk to insurance as an option. Um, so, you know, you can purchase cyber insurance and it's actually a really affordable policy that's in place that will effectively cover you for every single cost that you can think of associated with it with a cyber loss so you know when you do have a cyber loss the the things that you'll actually go through is first of all you'll find out that there's been some form of breach whether it is a security breach into your systems or some data being lost or some a privacy breach you're going to need to try and investigate what it is that's actually happened those businesses that have IT departments, they're firstly going to get in touch with IT. IT, often in these scenarios, you know, that they need to put their hand up and say, we don't know, we need to get engaged, engage another expert. But those companies that don't have IT departments, their only route is to engage an expert. And a forensic investigator, I hope I hope many people on the phone haven't needed to use them before, but they're, they're extortionately expensive um so you need to get an investigator in to figure out what's actually happened whether or not how big it is how big is this breach is it something that's easily fixed is it something that's not you know can you operate or are you stopping trading whilst this is happening are you actually able to continue with your business if you if you're solely reliant on um, you know, heavily reliant. Sorry, on on your database and your systems. How much of your operation is actually impacted, and will you see a reduction in revenue? You know, you potentially, depending on the scenario, um, need to pay for credit monitoring of your customers or pay ransoms out to to extortionists. Um, you know, you potentially need to notify the privacy commissioner. then might force you to notify every single customer or person that you have in your database all of that has cost and then worst case scenario you, you might be sued so they are very costly when when they happen to you um and you can they can happen regardless of the risk management that you've put in place again you know that just that simple human error risk um and you can you can purchase insurance to protect against that so i don't think insurance should be the only protocol for you you you've really got to invest in some risk management but as i pointed out that can be simple um and then you should also look at whether or not you want to transfer the, the monetary cost risk from your balance sheet over to an insurance policy. There's, there's a company called um, Poneman. Um, if, if people are interested in cyber, it's a very interesting read. Um, Poneman and IBM are really the leaders in the world of, um, of researching cyber risk. And um they've actually just released their well a couple of I think it was February, they released their two thousand and nineteen findings and they actually found that in Australia on average so on average a cyber um breach cost Australian business over two million US dollars. Um the cost to, in the US was actually over eight million. And then they they um they go into how the cyber cost that has actually cyber breach has actually impacted small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses, and scaringly, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that they said um, organizations that have less than five hundred employees, which is the majority of organizations um, that's probably listening to this podcast, a cyber event to them can cost them, you know, as much as three thousand five hundred per employee. So the the cost actually heightens for smaller business because no one's immune. um, And, you know, the fines are the same regardless of your size. Um, So I think it is certainly a risk that all of our security clients should be looking at and assessing how immune they are. um, And that's something that we can help them out with.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. My, my final question in closing, um, are there certain measures that companies have to have in place if they're going to have cyber, insu- or cyber insurance? I mean, I, I can't imagine that you can just do nothing to protect your company, take insurance, and then if something happens, just make a claim. Surely they, they, there would be minimum standards that it's a case of, well, you know, okay, but did you have this? Did you have that? And were you doing this before there was an attack?
1: So, um, to answer that, there's probably two different answers for two different sides of businesses. Um, so I can only speak from, from Aon's perspective, but, um, we have a facility in place for, for businesses that have a turnover of, of less than 50 million, which again is probably the majority of the people listening to this podcast. Um, if you qualify for that facility, which our security clients do, we basically actually only need to know that you've got virus protection, firewall protection, and that you haven't had an incident in the past. Um, you know, that there's really minimum criteria and that's because we have um, such a big pool of businesses that the insurance companies are, they're comfortable that they're spreading the risk. But when you do get to that larger entity of, of 15 mil turnover and above, um, yes, there's there's quite a lot of impetus put onto the client with respect to, you know, what risk management they currently have in place. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the insurance companies won't, you know, say that we won't insure you without this their premium might go up um, if you don't have certain risk management put in place or they might say that they want to work with you during the year to put such risk management in place. Um, But yeah, the the majority of clients, really every client can can get the cover Um, if you're in that scenario of having revenue of 50 million below, it's much easier and much cheaper for you.
0: Sure. And Lynette, if people want to find out more about Aon, where do they go?
1: Yeah, so we have a website. um, It's just um, aon.com.au, I think. Let me just (laughs) 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 double-check. I'm just double-checking the AU. Um, So just aon.com. but also, I'll give you um, Michael Pham's details. So Michael is our um, security expert. They can also go through ASIO, so ASIO recommends us. Um, so Michael Pham is our security expert. His um, his personal um, mobile number is, one second. It is um, 046-857-857. 1529. And his email address is michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot fam, P-H-A-M at Aon.com. Um, We would like to just share with you at this point in time, if you are impacted by COVID-19, we've got a, a whole host of resources that can help you through, through this time complimentary. Um, so um, if you do contact Michael, he can give you the link to our COVID-19 response site. Um, within there, we have um, some really good guidelines of how you can get through pandemic planning, communication, messaging, risk management for unoccupied businesses. Um, we've got webinars on how you can assist with your cash flow in this time and help you with liquidity changes. Um, so we do have a number of um of articles and webinars and tools available to you um, that we'd be more than happy to share with all of ASIO's members.
0: Lynette, that sounds amazing. So that is aon.com, A-O-N.com. And look, thank you very much for taking the time to come onto the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to know more about Aon or Cyber Risk Insurance and all the rest of it, make sure you visit the website. Uh, we have a series of podcasts in this series designed to help you through the coronavirus and also ASIAL has a bunch of information on their website at www.asial.com.au. So make sure you go and check that out and uh, go to iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, uh, Google Play and all the other great places that you hear podcasts to get more in this series. Lynette, thanks again. It's been a pleasure Thank talking you. to you.
1: Thank uh, you very much.
0: And we will see, or we won't see, we will hear you all on the next podcast. Thank you very much.